Hello everyone, welcome back to Morgan Hasn't Seen and the worst birthday present ever <laughs> in this movie that we have to talk about this week. I say we have to talk about it, we want to talk about yes. it. Yes. Because I was kind of very into this movie and it's always been one that's been on my periphery. I feel like I've seen this poster an awful oh, lot yeah. in my kind of movie <laughs> really memorable. life. Yeah. Um, and I'm and sure you've seen... to intrigue me. Yes, and I'm sure you've seen most of David Fincher's filmography in this maybe is just an outlier. I mean, I wouldn't say most, to be honest. A handful, yes. But I think this falls... It's definitely an outlier, you know, for me. It was definitely one I, I, I wanted to see of his. And I'm very glad I am doing or I have done now for this particular series, the game movies series. <laughs> yeah. Does this movie not just fit so perfectly into this series? It's almost as though the entire series was built around this movie entirely. These are the kind of game <laughs> movies I feel like I love because this is the game from 1997. Like you said, David Fincher. So you know it's weird. You know it's kind of intricate and really quite dark and twisted and horrible. Yeah. But incredibly compelling, like most of David Fincher's. Well, things. I mean, he's able to it... take somewhat out there concepts, I think, Fincher, and make them feel very, very, I think, base them in reality a lot of the time. And yeah. base them in a very, very dark reality. Like, this is seemingly uh, an elaborate conspiracy or an elaborate corporate financial conspiracy. But ultimately, it's a big game. It's a big test. It's a big kind of ends up being a big Birthday. Kind of inter, yeah, an intervention almost as well. Um, yeah. Funnily enough, I I was reading up on this, and apparently he was not happy with this movie. He felt like he wasn't, you know, he was fighting with the producers of the movie, like the studio executives, and he just wasn't able to execute the third act like he wanted, like he wanted it to, I think, ramp up more. And because of just all this dispute that was happening, he just couldn't get it to where he wanted it. So ultimately he wasn't too happy with, with uh, the whole product of this movie. Well, I feel like, I feel like it does ramp up. I feel like it does become very, very tense in, in the third act in particular when Michael Douglas is at his most insane, is, you know, his most confused. The manic and, and kind of just done, just at, yeah. at his wit's end. And we watching it are also at our most confused and most unsure as to actually what's going on. You know, the actual point of this supposed game that michael douglas has been playing throughout the movie i mean i can understand maybe where he's coming from in the sense that his movie prior to this was seven a movie yes renowned for its third <laughs> act in terms of the way it changes everything about that movie and ramps up to a degree of a of a third act thriller that is you know is difficult to match in any movie i think seven's yes. got one of the great you know finales in in well, movie he, history he actually wanted to make seven before he wanted to make this before seven but because of brad pitt's availability at the time that it was available he was available they had to do it before so so funnily enough yeah he wanted to do this before seven but he couldn't but i think it works in a very similar way as you know just our almost our lead kind of breaking down completely and just realizing they've almost lost the movie um, yeah that's what happens with with 
Brad Pitt in, in Seven, less so Morgan Freeman because he's kind of there on the, <laughs> you know, on the outskirts of that finale, really, isn't he? He's not, for some reason, he's not necessarily involved in that finale. He's yeah, there. no, he's not centrally he's getting, targeted. He's getting into yeah. it, but it's not actually who John Doe wants to target. He's very much into, you know, let's put Gwyneth Paltrow's head in the box because we don't like Brad Pitt. It's not really about Morgan Freeman. Yeah. He's just there. Um, but this is obviously Michael Douglas's game to play. It's Michael Douglas's movie to shine in his always wonderfully paranoid self because I don't think anybody plays the sense of anxious paranoia like michael douglas does i think he's so i mean good at it. yeah he's great in thrillers and um he's also great at playing kind of an asshole so to kind of play this scrooge character that has to you know have his <laughs> have you know his jerkiness be you know revealed to him in several ways and on several levels and go to these extremes in order for him to see who he is and how he treats people um i think is an interesting uh concept and he's really great at at playing that evolution so he is he is before we do get into the rest of our conversation on the game though janine we do have to do one thing and that is to say a big thank you to all our patrons of It's a Wonderful Podcast, like we always like to do every week on an episode of one of the shows here on It's a Wonderful Podcast. We can't do what we do without our wonderful patrons and their generous support. So the least we can do is shout them out and say a big thank you to them every single week. Mm. Would you like to start us off, Janine? I would love to and say a huge thank you to Marie Zambino. And thank you to Adam Witt. Thank you, Michael Smith. Thank you to Maxwell Haddad. Thank you, Amber Coates. Thank you to Abby Freel. Thank you, Ferris Muthana. Thank you to Janine's big brother, Justin, 90s Comics Box. A.K.A. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> thank you, Video Drew. Thank you to Tina Farrow. Thank you, Marcus Burton. Thank you to Steve Movie Fenobi. Thank you, Patrick Harden. Thank you to Carla Feast. Thank you to the great Ken Napsock. Thank you to Tom and Kimber of the Odd Shape Channel. Thank you, Eric Garcia. And thank you, of course, to Billy Pollahan. Yes. <laughs> applause for the patrons. Applause <laughs> for the movie. Janine, Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas 90s thrillers go well together, don't they? He seems to be renowned for the 90s psychological, slightly perhaps erotic thriller. Yeah. yeah. I've never really delved into that world of movies <laughs> are you saying around they've are always you saying been... we should do a michael douglas thriller series not necessarily but some i think fatal attraction be... some and that the titles great titles as well yeah but the fact is that would be a series that we would be able to do because there is a distinct amount of them all yeah. with Michael Douglas, all of the same kind of dark, psychological, yeah. dangerous nature. Fatal attraction, disclosure, basic instinct. They are. They're, they're mm -hmm. all, you know, they're all in the similar sort of vein. Um, yeah. It's a world that I haven't necessarily delved into that much. Yet they've always been, you know, very familiar movies to me. I've always been very aware of them. I think this falls into that, and perhaps this is just me, I don't know, ne never giving Michael Douglas the credit he probably deserves, even though I do like him as an actor, um, and he is able to play just deeply, deeply, arrogantly horrible people yeah. <laughs> um, so, so well, yet have this sort of 
allure to him, where everybody in the movie seems incredibly sexually attracted to him. Well, I and mean, yeah, I never really understood this because is it just me? Or is Michael, Michael Douglas, like he's not the most. No, that's what I. Yeah, in the world. he he is. He's not conventionally attractive, but he has a presence about him that works. Like we covered when we did our presidential series we did uh the american president and he was yeah. very he came off as very attractive in that movie charming and earnest and sweet but commanding like he has a presence about him so but that's a movie where michael douglas is playing a very nice person usually michael douglas does not play very nice people yet the entire movie seems just enamored by him as a human and he fits into that this is why i think he fits so well in the 90s thriller because i think the 90s thriller is so corporate in its kind of not in its mentality but in its you know style in its what it's showing yeah because i think the 90s is a ridiculously kind of big business era you know in in the u.s it's full of you know finance and capital and all these kind of things so all, all these movies are about incredibly wealthy people doing incredibly wealthy looking things yeah and that's what you get in this movie you know nothing michael douglas does nothing in this movie you know his character but work that is his entire life it's these people's it's you know this investment banking it's these people's lives they do not have lives outside of their career yes that which is, is really funny they do. which is really funny that he has this character um he he's an investment banker who has a lot of money he's very cold he's not um you know he's not really living his life to the fullest with all this money he has and he has a situation with a publisher that he kind of forces into retirement because they didn't, you know, hit the quota that they promised that they were going to hit. And his yeah. whole rationale to this publisher when he's trying to like oust him is go enjoy your retirement, go enjoy life. I mean, the, your publishing partner, he's retired and he's enjoying himself. Why not join him? And that's his whole rhetoric to this guy. Yet, throughout the course of the film we learn he has at least 600 million dollars just sitting around but he's not doing that <laughs> you know yeah, he's like, not enjoying life him himself exactly um, what is the point in having all that what is the point in having even a small fraction of that and not enjoying it and being just a deeply tired person that he is he's a he's a worn down person really, yeah i mean people movie. wish him happy birthday like his housekeeper and one of his receptionists and he's just like i don't like that i don't want to hear that his brother wants to just see him on his birthday and he just automatically assumes he wants something from him um you know i think they set him up really well as being this very cold person his his secretary is reading off all these events that he's been invited to and he just wants to avoid any kind of social experience and yeah. his his secretary kind of calls him out a little bit and she's like why do i even bother and he's like well when you get into a position where you know you're invited to all these lavish things you'll understand um but yeah, he just distances himself from social situations, from people. Even his ex-wife wants to still have a friendly relationship with him. And he feels like that's pointless and doesn't understand why she even wants to call him on his birthday and wish him well when she's kind of moved on with her life, married to someone else, a kid, another kid on the way. But she still cares about him and wants and, you know, worries for him. And he can't even process why she would even care about him. Um so they do a really good job setting up his isolated behavior, his, you know, coldness, his uh, not even giving one little inch to to any kind of humor or fun or, you know, just just enjoying life. And it's I think it's it's 
it's a lot of fun, really, to see Michael Douglas play somebody who has no fun at all. Because you know, there's many actors who can play cold. There's many actors who can play icy and withdrawn and isolated. But there is a, a distinct... Sol not solidarity, what's the word? He's, all, he's in a class on his own, Michael Douglas, yeah. in terms of the exact depiction of his coldness. I think a lot of it, like I said, comes down to this era of thrillers that he's in. You know, he's always in this very, very official-looking suit. He's always yeah. clearly got a lot of money. He's always got the same haircut. And he's always... I, I don't know if it's the his, his speech patterns or some... There's something a little bit indescribable for me about the quality of Michael Douglas in these types of movies that fits like Humphrey Bogart fits in, in a noir movie. It fits yeah. absolutely perfectly. And I think he's just so wonderful in this movie um, that it makes me want to go and watch some of those other movies of this similar style that he's in from around this time. Um, because I really do, I really do like him. He's well, yeah, very yeah. <laughs> likable at playing deeply unlikable. Yeah, like you don't dislike, like he's our protagonist. We're supposed to be following him. We set him up as this very cold person who's not really affectionate, who, you know, is very self-serious, who can't really take a joke. Um, who doesn't see the sentimentality in anything, but we still somehow, he's still able to play it to where, you know, we feel sorry for him and we want him to change. We want him to open himself up to, to life. And, and he plays that so well that we want that for him and we're not completely dismissive of him. Um, so, so I, I think that's just a testament to, him as an actor for us to not outright dislike him we want him to to enjoy his life and we're waiting for him to to just open his eyes to these people trying to show him that they care about him to you know just enjoy himself a little bit and yeah and yeah i, I think we need that in a movie like this where we're kind of following him and stuck with him we don't want to outright dislike him and he's able to to do that really well he is but he i think like i said he's in a class on his own in terms of the exact way he does do that he does make us feel that way about his characters i i don't know i don't know if it's just this movie i mean i've always appreciated michael douglas but i seem to after watching this have you know that seems to have been elevated a lot and i'm not really sure why because it's not like it wasn't there in the first place yeah you know it's 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 unusual perhaps it just speaks to how much i genuinely did enjoy this movie because it's a it's a very very i mean it, it's a eyes glued to the screen kind of movie as well it's yeah not you kind of something you don't know you where want. it's gonna go yeah it's not something you want to take your eyes off it's not something you want to divert your attention away from because of the nature of its story you know he's invited he receives a little card from his brother um played by sean penn and okay. sean penn's not in the movie an awful lot but even he's able to play his kind of manic typical self um, yes um but it was actually they wanted Judy Foster to play his sister and she didn't want to play his sister she wanted to play his daughter but they're about 18 years apart so they were like I don't think that's gonna work like he's playing his 48th birthday I don't think Jodie Foster at the time would have kind of felt like young enough to be his daughter I don't think I don't know and I think it makes it more 
I think it works for the character more to not have any kids because he doesn't seem oh, like the yeah. type of person who would want. And like it, it, it pushes the narrative of his wife leaving him and and starting a family with someone because he is not seemingly the type to want to have a family. But Jodie Foster was very adamant about being his daughter and not his sister, so much so that they decided not to have her in the film and rewrite it as a male character and then casting Sean Penn, um, that she ended up suing the like the movie and students. Wow. Yes. Even though I think her production company was also like a part of the making of the film. And I think she sued them for like $54.5 million and they ended up settling Ooh. for some amount. Yeah. So <laughs> it was a whole thing. But they wanted it to be a, a sister, not a brother. So I'm kind of I mean, wondering what wrong, that would look I, like. I like Jodie Foster. I don't know if it actually makes too much difference, to be honest, because I assume it would just be the same kind of character. And Dynamic. Just trying yeah. to, you know, yeah, because all Sean Penn, I think, tries to do, you know, for the amount of time that he's in this movie, is, you know, kind of find a connection with Michael yeah. Douglas, find a connection with his brother. I can only imagine that's what the same attitude a sister would have, the same vibe a sister would have. I don't I see, see... there being too distinct of a difference. Well, as, as a younger sister, I feel like, I don't know, just in my head, I picture a brother-younger sister dynamic as being a more softer dynamic. I, I mean, feel that's like fair, yeah. it's a, it's a more open dynamic than brother's um and that's probably so, true yeah i mean so i don't I, know i don't have so a i personally yeah <laughs> i feel like you know personally just in my experience and just how my brain immediately thinks about it is you know older brother younger sister there's a protective instinct there um there's more sincerity there um you know there's more sensitivity there um in that relationship than it than with brothers so i don't know i i don't know if that would hinder this kind of journey we see the character go on and and would he be able to play as closed off as we would need him to be at the start of this movie yeah see that's a that's an interesting thought actually because i think it does work that he's very very cold with sean conrad his brother yeah because because the entire movie is very, you know, it's full of internal tension from Michael Douglas. It's full of that kind of not, you know, he, he's under no circumstances does he want to speak about his own feelings to open up to anybody else. And, and he just projects like said, and jumps to all of Conrad's failures. Conrad's exactly. been to several colleges. Conrad has been in rehab. Um you know, Conrad has had to go to therapy and all of these things. And when, you know, they meet for lunch, instead of talking about anything that's going on with him, he projects it back to Conrad and, and what's going on in his life and, you know, brings up messy things. He's like, oh, when was the last time I saw you? Oh, the last, you know, family day at rehab, you know. Um, yeah. And I And Conrad mentioned something he learned in college and and uh, he tells him which one, you know, so really every kind of comment in this conversation is kind of a throwback and a dig back at Conrad at his brother for being kind of a screw up. So it's able to close him off a little bit more when he has this brother who's constantly kind of been a burden in, in a few ways to him. Um, so I just think that adds to the attitude of the movie though yeah so i think to, to have potentially it feel uh, like a more open talkative familial relationship wouldn't actually work to the movie's benefit as much as this relationship that we do get works to the movie's benefit we haven't even talked about the game aspect yes of the the so game just yeah that, but so, that's because i think that's because the entire movie simply uses that game, quote-unquote game, as a facade to the actual deeper emotional, you know, family story that it's actually trying to tell. This is about a man being 
having you know a man having his absolute worst anxieties his absolute worst fears come true right in front of his face he can't get yeah. away from them he can't avoid them they're there they're happening now deal with them and in doing that he goes on that you know internal journey and comes out of it a more kind of well-rounded individual or at least an individual that seems to see a new side of life and that's what yeah. this movie is about however the actual plot of the movie the story of the movie the game aspect is so enticing it's so incredibly gripping you feel like there is a genuine much like michael douglas does there is somebody out there some underworld figure at play who's trying to kill this man off yes like it feels like a huge conspiracy to him so basically our story follows nicholas van orton um such a fancy name i, I love Ridiculous. the name they give him in this movie yes um you know rich investment banker his younger brother's a screw-up it's his birthday coming up um and uh, his brother, he meets his brother for lunch and his brother gives him this certificate to CRS, this uh, company that does these uh, custom games for for their customers, for their clients. And Conrad tells him, oh, you know, I did it, you know, in London and it was great. It was such a great experience. It cleared my head. I really think you should do it. Um, you know, it'll help you have fun. It'll help you loosen up. It'll help you enjoy life. Just do it. Um, and just after kind of writing it off and, you know, thinking about not doing it, he ultimately decides, okay, I'll do it. He goes to the company. He does like, oh, he spends all this day doing these ridiculous tests, uh, only for them to call him and tell him, sorry, you didn't qualify for the game. So then it's like, okay, where's this going? But that's that all of that is part of the game. Even when, um, there's a waitress that gets involved and she ends up being a whole part of this whole thing. When they're at the restaurant the first time and Conrad is giving him the gift in the first place, the waitress that's there is the waitress he meets later in the movie who, who ends up being a part of the game. So like it started even way back when Conrad was just telling him about the game in the first place before, you know, us as an audience even knew what it was. So yeah, and yeah, that's what I mean when I say like the the intricate nature of a David Fincher movie is things happen before you've realized they've happened. Yes, because he has as... an awful lot of the time. <laughs> yeah, because as far as he knows, he's been rejected in to qualify for this game, but then all of a sudden he really he's in the game without him even noticing it, like probably one of the coolest parts of the movie is you know we see him watching this nightly news report with the same anchor and the next night you know he's been rejected to to be participate in this game he's sitting at home and the newsman on the tv says his name several times and starts talking to him and he's so confused and he doesn't know what's going on and realizes the game actually has begun uh and and this, that's kind of the where the trippiness of this whole kind of journey that he goes on starts. And that is, it's really what it is. I mean, you know, this movie, I think, could be styled as a very, very silly movie. You know, with, with things like that, a news anchor talking to you yourself th through the television screen. You yeah. know, cameras set up everywhere and people... You, you know, you're never quite knowing when you're being watched and all these kind of things. It could be styled or who very to trust or who's part of this game. Yeah. Yeah. It could be styled as, you know, more of a fun horror movie. It is instead styled so, so seriously um, within this world. I think the way it's shot in that very, very kind of true to life way, it's in new york you know that uses new york really quite well oh, no it's, very, it's, it's san francisco it, actually oh it's san francisco sorry yes of course yeah. it is um but it uses the city very very well yeah i think 
a lot um, of, of the, night. The, yeah, most we of didn't it, get we, any. We didn't get any San Francisco big shots. Of yeah, the, no. Or on the hill or the pyramid thing or our uh, Alcatraz. Bridge. Apologies, yeah, just, I didn't. For, yeah. I didn't remember it was a San and Francisco. And most of it movie. is at night, so everything we see is typically at night. A lot of these scenes, and even when we're in the day, it's very dank and gray. Um, so yeah, no, I, I, every movie that takes place in a specific city always has to give you those specific shots. Um, Golden Gate Bridge and all, yeah. you know, and the yeah. Brooklyn Bridge you want, and you want yeah, the, the pyramids I mean, and what, Big Ben and Parliament. And like, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, just so. thinking, why not be like Vertigo or Dirty Harry and make it obvious that it's a San Francisco movie? You know, come on the game make it obvious that it's a san francisco movie <laughs> i Just like, I like that it didn't i mean we mentioned that they're in san francisco several times but i like that we're not you know pandering to the base of oh yes we have to show all these places to know i mean as someone who just to the hates... beginning of the movie come on <laughs> well as someone who hates how london is always seen as the center of everything and every movie that takes place in yeah in England well, is always just London and shows all the big London places and there's no other place that exists there. Um, well, that's I, just because I they never go to you, anywhere else. But I in would the think US, appreciate... they go all over the place. Well, I think you'd appreciate, considering movies always do that, that this movie didn't do that. But No, and I suppose that, again, <laughs> does speak to the... Uh... The subtlety that David Fincher likes to use in his movies. He he makes you watch his movies. You know, he makes you have to watch his movies. And I think that's a yeah. really great way of making movies, to be honest. Not that he sits you down and, you know, opens your eyes like it's a clockwork orange and forces you to watch his movies. But he <laughs> his movies make you want to pay full attention to them. Yes, well, especially something like this where, you know, everybody's a clue, everybody is could be involved in this game and you don't know. So you're watching everybody and you're listening to what they're saying and you're seeing what he's you're finding around him. Yes, and trying to figure out who you can trust. So yeah, ultimately he finds himself as part of this game, he doesn't know how it's going to go. He doesn't know what's going on with it. He doesn't know, you know, the specifics of it. He just knows, okay, I'm part of this game now. Um, so he tries to go about his day to day and then like little weird things happen. He's supposed to meet Conrad for dinner. Um, and the waitress spills wine all over him. And then, you know, she gets fired, but then somebody leaves him a note saying, don't let her go, like follow her. So then he goes and follows the waitress and then gets involved with her and she seemingly doesn't know what's going on. And so then they kind of have to team up and uh, somebody faints in front of them and she has to give them CPR and they go to the hospital and then everyone in the hospital just disappears. And it's just yeah. something at every turn and you don't know where it's going to go and they're having to jump into dumpsters and get away from dogs and security and uh you know it's kind of interesting to see this very stiff cold person have to open himself up and team up with someone and work together with somebody they get stuck in an elevator and they have to work together and um just opening himself up to all of these sensor sensory things that he had been avoiding for so long um it, it, like we see him actively having this adventure um but he's not seeing it that way he's just kind of confused and lost and stressed out <laughs> but I, ultimately uh... you know it, it's getting him way way out of his comfort zone and i think you know he needed th those extremes to open his eyes I love how you've referred to it as an adventure. I think if this is an adventure movie, it's one of the darkest, most horrendous adventure movies possible. Well, it's no um, romancing the stone, but I think... No, you know, it isn't. Based off of no, what that, we've that seen is. him do, <laughs> based it's... on what we've seen him do up to that point, I think it's pretty, you know, adventurous running the streets of San Francisco and having to swing on, <laughs> on fire escapes and drop into dumpsters and be on the run and um you know yeah and far more exciting than what he would even allow himself to to be in his regular life yeah and it's 
it's fascinating because of that and the the confusion it, it works so well you watching it being as confused as he is because i think if you knew anything as to actually what you know was going to happen next with this game exactly the specifics surrounding this game it'd be nowhere near as exciting it'd be nowhere near as compelling yeah. for you to watch because it seems like such um a, an elaborate kind of breakdown of all understandable society that you wonder if the movie itself is actually based in reality is it is it a little bit kind of supernatural because like you said tvs start talking to you people seemingly disappear en masse yeah any given time michael douglas seems to trip out and black out and wake up somewhere else and it's not quite you know you're not quite sure if it's real sometimes or if it's in his head sometimes is he perhaps you know i think a revelation could have been for the end of this movie that crs the company where he went to and did all those tests kept him there and have actually just had had him in subconscious hypersleep for the entire movie and he's just had this internal like total recall of an experience <laughs> yeah like a total recall, recall thing yeah that it could have been that because it seems so out there it seems so you know ridiculously crazy what's happening to him in the movie you can see why he thinks it's a conspiracy to steal all of his millions of dollars away from him is it actually a movie about condemning wealth and what have you got all this money for you don't do anything with it either give it to somebody who will do things with it or actually just enjoy what you have stop holding things like you said it's and it's an evolution of a christmas carol it's an evolution of scrooge because you know, on a smaller scale, Scrooge is, yes, okay, a miserable person who has all this money, who doesn't share it around and doesn't enjoy life because he just likes money, money, money and misery. And this is that on a far larger, grander kind of self-reflective scale. Um, Because, like I said, he's forced to deal with his own worst fears, with his own worst anxieties. And... Yeah forced to remember his past trauma his father killed himself when he was you know him and him and sean penn were very very young and his father was a very similar character seemingly to what he is now a workaholic somebody who doesn't do anything but work and it drove him off the edge Yes, and he jumps off the yeah he jumps off the their house, and you know I think a lot of this also was Conrad's way because Conrad you know um, you know as we learn by the end of the movie kind of set this whole thing up. Uh, it was also a way for him to deal with the trauma about his father, um, and I think maybe there was some fear on Conrad's you know side to think you know maybe my father my brother will end up like dad and i I don't want that for him so i need to do something now do something extreme to open his eyes um very extreme though incredibly extreme yes um but even where does sean penn find the money for this how does how do they even set all this up it's never fully explained. No, however, but I mean, at the end, we we do see him signing the bill, and then um, Nicholas offers to split it with him, and Conrad's like, "Yes, please, that would be great." So obviously, it's very expensive. Um, but you know, I'm sure if you saw the big house that his father jumped off of, then well, I think yeah. it makes sense why Conrad would have 
money of his own to burn. But um, yeah, I mean, he even like just the bit of the experience that he'd been going through up to one point gets him to talk to his housekeeper, who I think is probably seems to be somebody who's been with the family for a long time. He actually yeah. asks her about his father. And she says, wow, and all the time I've known you, like, I've never heard you ask about him. So at this point, he's already kind of gone through a bit of stress with this game. You know, I think this is after the whole kind of whirlwind night he had with the waitress, um, having to yeah. run from security and going to the hospital and all the people from the hospital disappearing and them, you know, you know, having to jump into trash cans and hide and all of this stuff. Um and even just a little bit of experience that he had been through opens him up to want to finally talk about his father. So he asks her about, you know, how was his father? Who was he? What kind of person was he? And she talks about him, you know, just being a very slight person, a very quiet person. He could be in a room for hours without anyone really even noticing that he was there. Um, but he was kind and, um, People didn't see it coming. People didn't expect him. You know, he didn't seem like a sad person or anything obvious for somebody who would want to do that. Um, so just, yeah, I think we're able to see partway through this whole kind of experiment that he's going through that it's working in a way because it's taking him that much a step further to at least even ask or talk about his father, which is something he would never do. So I like that we get a little hint in, in this scene of him asking her about his father, that maybe this is working. Maybe this is doing something. Maybe we're getting somewhere with this and maybe this extreme push was necessary to get him to kind of open his eyes to, to, who he's become yeah i mean like i said though it's 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 very extreme i mean you could have gone like <laughs> a quarter as extreme as what happened yes no it gets crazier it yeah it gets absolutely insane i mean if this was me i i i mean what happens at the end of the movie as well i mean we we do I mean, we don't often talk about movies that I feel like you would, I would need to say we're going to spoil this movie, you know, on on this yeah. show and on a lot of shows. This movie, I think, does it works so well, and it's because I've just done it. Watch blind. It works so yeah. well to watch blind, and I, I wouldn't want to directly spoil absolutely what's going on at at at. at at every given turn but it really goes to horrendously distressing extremes where michael douglas believes himself to do you know personally to do really distressing things that end up just being a part of the game end up being things that they assumed he would do and they had planned for and you know it all end up being all a setup it's it, it takes it to extremes that you do not think it will go to even when yeah. you've watched for a you know an hour and 45 already it go to some pretty bad extremes like leaving him out in the middle of nowhere to hitchhike his way home with no money yeah like i think they they like drug him and put him in a box and he wakes up in mexico with like no right. money it's like i thought they buried him alive at one point yeah yeah he was like buried and had to like break himself out and found himself in mexico like with no money or anything um how that happens i have no home. idea yeah but it's it's so i think it's such a wonderful movie it is it's the perfect thriller because it's so thrilling you know it's it's really really gripping um and not just from the the story aspect of trying to figure out exactly what this game is i mean all the little nods all the little hints of crs the company 
at every given turn. Yeah. Sees those three letters. Letters and knows that they're involved. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not CRS like that. I forget what the actual company's name is now, the full company's name. Oh, yeah. Like corporate recreation recreational service or services something like or that. something yeah but those three letters follow him around it reminds me of like old doctor who you know it, those letters follow him around cable repair services you know things like that yeah um, but they're always capitalized the first three letters but, yes the crs so he as soon as he notices them he's just like oh like, god oh, no it's more, this again more, yeah the, 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 we're here again yeah. And let's get into our our own heads and you know turn it inside out. Um, but it's not just that so interesting from a story point, but it, it's it's really very intelligent on a personal emotional point as well. Yes, and, and we I see really him open up more and more. That. Yeah, we see him open up more and more throughout kind of this whole journey he's going on. Um, so it speaks to these insane methods actually kind of maybe working in a way um at one point he actually goes and you know we see him have this very cold call with his ex-wife she's trying to be very kind to him and and you know just from the conversation you can tell she really cares about him but he's very cold to her to a scene where he is at his wit's end he doesn't think he can trust anybody so he goes to her and tells her like you know and, and really has a heartfelt conversation with her and realizes that you know she's somebody who cares about him and tells her that she's the only person he can trust um so we see him kind of open his eyes to i keep saying that but <laughs> we see him open his eyes to people who actually care about him and actually hearing people out and like i said the scene of him asking you know his longtime housekeeper about his father and wanting to really delve into those emotional things that he had been avoiding up to that point so um yeah i think this all is very extreme just to kind of end on on how it ends but um ultimately i think they make it feel necessary to push this character um, to get him where he needs to be. They do, yeah. But like I said, if this was me, I, th I think I would be actively <laughs> beating Sean Penn up. Yeah. <laughs> for the rest of my life. Like, every time I saw him, I'd just be like... Really? Smack. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm not that violent, but I certainly wouldn't be speaking No, I'm agreeing with you. Again. No, I'm agreeing with you. Like, really, Sean Penn? <laughs> like... like I would really... not be. I would not take it as good as Michael Douglas takes it at the end of this movie. Yeah, he's he's pretty chill after all of this. He's so chill when it's revealed to just all be a setup. Yeah, like a big um, birthday party for him. Yeah, <laughs> it, he, you know, he really, really is, and maybe that's a spoiler in itself. To be honest, that it's revealed to. Kind well, of I mean, I think when we do the show, we are clearly going to talk about this film so watch the movie and then come listen to this episode i suppose so That's, we, we apologize anyway even though we don't often apologize for doing this kind of thing yeah. i just think this movie is really one of those movies work. where you kind of need to go in blind for sure which we probably should have said up front but yeah, sorry about that <laughs> yeah terribly sorry about but there is still elements to this movie that you know you will find interesting you know you will find kind of you wonder what exactly is happening because we're not quite sure ourselves yeah. having just watched the movie exactly how certain things happened how certain things played out um but again with the way you know david fincher's making this movie in 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 such a a subtle kind of way in a perfect depiction of show don't tell which we always love and it, it shows you things it forces you to notice things rather than just outright saying things yeah which is always the best way to go particularly in a psychological thriller yes because 
That's all about noticing tiny little details that mean huge things, you know, have huge ramifications on what's happening. Yeah. And this is is, is a really wonderful movie at doing that. Um, you know, Michael Douglas does reach complete breaking point in this movie uh, as a as a character and he plays it so wonderfully well i mean he's pulling guns on people he's he's shooting people you know he's he's, he's threatening you know threatening to hijackers and threatening people when they're at the zoo with their children <laughs> yeah he's he yeah. looks like a completely insane man. And yeah, he's at the his game has end. driven him this way. Yes, yeah. Um, but like you said, does it does it justify? You know, does <laughs> does what happens at the end actually justify turning Michael Douglas temporarily insane? He seems to think so, but yeah, me watching it is just like no. This is the worst birthday present ever. <laughs> yeah, we could have just had a conversation, most... bro. Like for real. The movie might as well just end by saying, <laughs> "I made you go completely insane." Happy birthday, bro! And it's just, <laughs> I, what? How does the movie end like that? Yeah, ha- and, and everybody be okay with it, and everybody shake hands, and just happy, and, and it's great. Party, and all the people <laughs> who were involved in the game. You know, throughout the setup, um, who were paid actors and all this kind of thing, they just hang out at Michael Douglas's birthday party now because Wee! we're all celebrating. Yay, Yay happy birthday, Michael Douglas! No, no, absolutely <laughs> under no circumstances, as Michael Douglas, would I be okay with any of this whatsoever? <laughs> I was half expecting something that. His his own father did very, very well in his performances that Michael Douglas doesn't necessarily do. I think Michael Douglas is more of a uh, reserved actor than his father was. His, you know, Kirk Douglas was able to explode with passion. Yeah. A, a lot of a lot of the time. I was almost expecting that at the end of this movie, him him to turn temporarily into his father and just completely explode no, in this his intensity shouting match but yeah, his intensity his in- is subtle his intensity is reserved yes it's very it and it's very static like in terms of you know how he delivers his lines you know yeah it works wonderfully well it, yeah it has made michael douglas into the great actor he is and you know distinct you know distinctly different from what his father did it would feel you know silly i think if he was just trying to do an impression of his own dad every time he put on yeah. a performance um so naturally he had to craft his own style but i was expecting it at the end i was expecting the uh the kirk douglas level i'm yeah. at my wits end i'm now going to shout in your face monologue kind of situation yeah um that we that we don't get we don't get but that's not to say, you know, it doesn't end satisfyingly. I think this is a wonderful movie. I think this is easily the best movie of the four we've done in the game. Okay. In the game movies so far. Easily. Easily. And I've enjoyed all of them. But this is, I think this is on another level of just kind of maybe competent filmmaking and, and really intricately interesting storytelling. And real powerhouse acting i think yeah and also but the, the others the con- necessarily won't have it's a different style of movie it's yeah. a serious movie but well you know i like to run the gamut of styles of films in a series when it's something like this so um yeah i like to give you the variety so this is definitely a completely different tone than what we've discussed so far but also i mean the concept that you talked about with uh really having to watch the film closely and look at things and listen to things and and try to follow um this kind of twisted journey that he's on and and 
try to catch these clues and who's involved in the, you know, confusion of everything. So it really forces you to focus in on everything happening around this character as opposed to just this character, um, which just makes it an interesting watch as well. So, yeah, it almost makes me want to go and look at some some other kind of life breaking down movies yeah you know maybe from maybe 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 from for for the main show maybe maybe older movies about someone's life completely breaking down around them that makes them realize just the descent what into madness <laughs> well yeah the descent into madness that makes them realize what life is really about which is what this movie is but you know yeah. that kind of you go so far and you that you actually are you are you saying you finally want to do it's a wonderful life well it's very it's a wonderful life (laughs) i mean the way you were describing it i'm literally like he's talking about it's a wonderful life which we swore to never do until the show ends but we're never we're never we're never allowed yes but just the fact that like your description and like that was the first thing that that might be why i liked this movie so much because at the end of the day is it not the same kind essentially of thing yeah just it's... like we kind of made that scrooge comparison it's very much this you know person who ha- is very resentful about a lot of things and not dealing with a lot of emotions and then that kind of building to this explosion <laughs> of things or yeah. things happening to finally get them to realize what is important There's in no life conspiracy no it's a wonderful life though there's well i mean this ends up not really being a conspiracy no but but there's no setup and there's no confusion confusion. it's a clear look like with scrooge as well it's a clear look at what you've done wrong and what you could do differently here it's all these twisted clues that ultimately bring that out in him that he didn't you know without him even realizing that it's happening yeah maybe i'll go and have a look at some uh similar ones to this then on the darker front not on the it's a wonderful life kind of misery 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 joy from which is how i always describe that movie um maybe i will because i was very very into this and i'm glad because like i said at the beginning this has been a movie poster a movie that has seemingly just kind of always been in my mind somewhere i always seem to see it Oh, the game. What? Yeah, Michael Douglas, what's this? Never yeah. watched it. Never come close to watching it before. But very, very thankful that we did yeah. it for this game movies series, Janine. Absolutely. Yes. Yay. The game, 1997. <laughs> we do have one more week, though, because May, is it May? Is that the month we're in? May (laughs) isn't over yet, on Wednesdays at least, because next week we're switching it up again. This is a movie based on a game. Yes. What is this? Wow. Use its proper title, please. (laughs) No, because that is not not the proper title. This is not a Philosopher's Stone situation. No, Unless this no, movie was called this in the UK. Was it called Which that? I don't in... think it was. No, <laughs> okay. It was. So we will be talking Clue. This is no. the movie. I know you kind of mentioned this movie being a movie potentially what I built the series around, but Clue is actually the movie that I built this series around. This is one I've wanted to get your opinions on and show you for a long time now. So um, this was a fun discovery for me. I remember I was sick home from school. It was a rainy day. I was just, you know, channel surfing and came across this movie. And I was like, is this based on the board game? And I started watching it. And it was just a lot of fun. It has, you know, some fun things happening in it. And uh, I, I just remember, you know, have that great memory of discovering this movie. And so I'm really excited for you to watch it and see what you think. It's really well, so funny. I, and, yeah. You know, a, a spoofy or slightly spoofy, you know, murder mystery movie. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, I'm sure there'll be... Any fun 
discussions on. I have actually a really fun Cluedo story because that's what the board game is actually called. Um, the entire show will just be arguments between what the game is called, by the way. Next week, <laughs> I feel. Because yeah. it is called Cluedo because it was originally called Cluedo in, in Britain because it's a British game and it was a play on the game Ludo, which Americans don't even call Ludo. So there's no point in calling Cluedo Cluedo in America because it wouldn't make the jokes then. Yeah. It's a joke and it wouldn't make sense. Well, hopefully so, the jokes in this why, movie make sense. That's why you have to call it Clue. <laughs> I also remember playing Clue in Canada, I think, once, and it being it weird and different, and I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, and then it, it's, it's a situation where I think even the new version, the, the characters got a remodel, and so oh, they did. You have seen, that. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a shame. I think Colonel Mustard got rid of his mustache. Yeah. Colonel Mustard should have a mustache. It's set in it's supposed to be set in like the twenties or something. Yeah. People should look like they're in the twenties. Era. Yeah. I don't know. It's a good game though. Although I, I do remember having a particularly wonderful game of, of Cluedo once. Um which reminds I think I've should, only played it we, one time. We ever. should play it. We should play it. Is it is it a game you can play over, you know, a video? No. I don't easy. know. I don't know. I don't think I don't so. I think you can necessarily. There's like a dice roll. Is there? You have to be secretive and show people clues and things <laughs> yes. like that, and it doesn't really work. No. Anyway, that is what is coming next week to close out our game movies series. It's been a fun one so far. A very, very interesting one. Uh, highlighted, I think, by this week's movie, The Game, with Michael Douglas. But there we go, Janine, I think, for this episode of Morgan Hasn't Seen. It is not the only show we have on this podcast feed, though, is it? No, of course, we have our Monday show, Monday Madness, with Morgan and the Machine, every Monday on this podcast feed, or you can watch it on the It's a Wonderful Podcast YouTube channel. It's our fun kickback topical show where we talk movie news, get into some fun topics, movie reviews, and play a fun game. So check that out every Monday on the It's a Wonderful Podcast YouTube channel that also has some fun stuff. So please like, share, and subscribe over there. And you can also listen to it on the It's a Wonderful Podcast feed and of course every friday we have our main show it's a wonderful podcast where we give love to classic films we had a lot of fun talking westerns all may long and uh, we'll see what's coming up in june for the show but um yeah oh yeah well well we we still have if we get if we've got our dates right we have our large big grandiose Ret oh yes finale. our big retrospective <laughs> Yes, coming uh, this Friday on the main show that we're very, very excited for. Our big uh, Magnificent Seven and Seven Samurai retrospective. It's great to have retrospectives back on the main show. But it has been a fun month on, on, uh, on the main show. You are very, very correct in seeing that, Janine. But yes, there we go. Find the It's a Wonderful podcast feed Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We have you covered on all your major podcast platforms, whatever your preferred app is. And uh, we also have the It's a Wonderful podcast YouTube channel for you to subscribe to. Ding your notification bells over all over there for all the fun stuff we have. We spoke about the Patreon before there are links in the description if you would like to uh, join us over there support us in that way there's also a donation link um we would we would be most grateful for your very generous support in that sense patreon.com slash it's a wonderful one if you would like to do that or just find us on the social media on twitter at it's a wonderful one find me on twitter at the purple dawn with a3 instead of the e in the because Jennings. Three is the magic number. On Instagram and TikTok at the Purple Don. All your mind-bogglingly crazy, insane things are where. 
You can find me at Janine Debean underscore on Twitter, Janine Debean on Instagram and TikTok. If you want to get any merch for any of our shows, you can check the description for the link or search It's a Wonderful Podcast on teespring.com. And if you want to purchase any of my art and print form, you can find that at my big cartel shop, GinaDesign.BigCartel.com. Well, there we go. So I do think there's only one thing left to do, Janine. I wonder how accurately you can give me a Michael Douglas. Oh, <laughs> not very well. You have to get very nasal. <laughs> I know. It's going to be so bad. Uh, three. <laughs> no, that's so bad. <laughs> ah, <water>. I can't <laughs> do it. And now you're laughing at me, so it's going to be annoying. Three. <laughs> Sounds like a witch or something. Two. One. <laughs> Why do I sound like a guy? Uh, it sounds like it sounds like the robot Rocky Four. Bye. <laughs> Happy birthday, Polly. <laughs>